Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today I am thrilled to introduce to you Lauren Hansen, who is like my childhood summer sister. That's what my mom always called us because my mom babysat Lauren every summer and Lauren lived down the road and we just grew up together and I think the world of her. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. Yay. (laughs) And uh, where are you joining us from today, Lauren? I am in my lovely basement in Overland Park. You're so close now. And when this pandemic is over, we need to... If we can ever... Yes. Come on. That's crazy. (laughs) Something we always ask our guests is to tell us a little bit about their team, you know, their family. So if you could tell us about like Team Vaughn and Team Hanson, all the teams. Okay. (laughs) So my Team Vaughn was my parents who are still married and still live in my childhood home in Pittsburgh. And my sister, who's five years older than me. And she has two boys and she lives here in Oakland Park. Do you two hang out a lot? Some, but not as much. She's working now and our schedules are a little different. The boys are getting older and yeah. so... Gotcha. We don't see each other as much, but she's close, which is nice. That is nice. And mom and dad come up here a ton. I almost never go back home because everybody's up here. So they come to us. That makes sense. Oh, and your parents are like the cutest couple in the world, I feel like. I would just go yeah. over to your house and like they'd be watching TV and snuggling and I'm like, damn it, they're cute. Like I just <laughs> They really are. Yeah. They just wander around and hold hands all the time. And uh-huh. It's really cute. They really are. It was super embarrassing as a kid. (laughs) Now I find it adorable. Yes, it is. I I just think they're like what people should, relationship goals. You know, that's that's really, that's Yeah, they totally are. (laughs) Yeah, they're really cute. In high school, I was so embarrassed by it. I remember somebody coming up to me and being like, Lauren saw your parents making out in the produce department at Walmart. And I was like, yeah, they do that. They're just overcome, you know? Yeah. I love it. Oh, and then Team Team Hansen. Oh, Team Hansen is um, my husband, Kevin, and we have three little girls. Ellie's eight, Avery's five, and then we have Violet, who is nine months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and those are beautiful names. My girls wanted me to name Violet Rose. Ah. They were stuck on that, even though I kept being like, that's that's not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, as far as names kids come up with. Not that. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't be embarrassed to have. You know. Right. Here's my daughter, I can Trixie. <laughs> Valula. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Oh, and then last question, which I already know the answer to, but I'll pretend like I don't. Um, What is your history with the TV show Parenthood? Um, So I watched it when it was on originally. And then when you guys started up the podcast and I started listening, I wanted to listen because I like you and I I was excited (laughs) about it. And so I started over and I've been watching along with the podcast now. That score. Yeah. yeah. That makes We've got so at happy. least one. <laughs> well, thank you for being with us, Lauren. Yay. Today we are discussing Parenthood Season 2, Episode 14, A House Divided. It was written by Tyler Bensinger, directed by Ken Whittingham, and it originally aired on February 1st, 2011. Here's the NBC synopsis. Christina refuses to accept Hattie's relationship with Alex, causing Hattie to move in with her grandparents. Sarah puts her foot down at work and demands a higher salary to pay for Amber's tuition. 
Meanwhile, Max makes a camping trip with Zeke extremely difficult. Julia throws a bachelorette party for Jasmine, welcoming her to the Braverman tribe, while Adam gets more than he bargained for during a meeting with Corey, shocking the entire family. Whoa. <laughs> the entire family. Wow. It was kind of shocking, I suppose. Here's a little history quiz for you guys. Oh, I'm excited. Do either of you know what a house divided is in reference to? No, I hear it with sports teams and stuff like like they're yeah. for KU and we're for K-State. So we're house divided. But that's all. Yeah, that's all I know. Ah, It was a famous speech made by Abraham Lincoln in his 1858 run as a senator from Illinois. And so issues of impending civil war, free states versus slave states and everything were very much in the air at the time. And his opponent, Stephen Douglas, who was the incumbent senator, was for popular sovereignty. So saying, hey, every state can just decide what they want to do. And they'll have this sort of like patchwork. And so to differentiate himself from him, he made a speech where he said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. Wow. Wow. And I also think it's kind of funny because, so he's basically saying there is no middle ground. Yeah. Either we go all in on slavery or we end it. But I feel like in this episode, (laughs) it's kind of comically the opposite. Like they are ignoring the middle ground, which I think is the solution. But anyway. (laughs) Boy, that's interesting. So I thought we would start with a deleted scene from this episode, which was on the DVD. And I think it must have begun the episode because I don't know where else it would have fit in. But it's Camille going to visit Adam at TNS. Hattie's over at the house. Okay. She wants to stay for a while. You mean like move in? Uh, well, what did, what did you say? I didn't say one way or the other. I just came here. All right. Thank I you. Thank you for that. Wasn't sure what you'd want me to do. I don't know. Just just let her stay there for now, and we'll figure it out, and we'll take care of it. Okay. How do you know? I have no idea. It's a tricky one, though. I don't feel like a very good parent on this one but anyway oh. we'll handle it I'll talk to Christina we'll figure it out could you explain to Christina that this is not my fault in any way that I didn't encourage Hattie to come over she or, knows or that no she doesn't know that she thinks somehow that I am trying to usurp her role as a mother mom I Look, don't think so I, I don't want to be in the middle of this really but I I also don't want to kick my granddaughter out of the house all right, I get it. Because you know what? Kids need a safety net sometimes. You remember. Yeah. All right, well, nobody's going to ask you to do anything like that, okay? Okay, so we'll play it by ear. Yeah. Okay. Christina's not going to blame you for this. <laughs> wow, oh, that was super interesting. Right? That would have clarified so much. Because <laughs> I don't think, I don't feel like they explained Camille's feelings other than she likes Alex. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're right. I think every time Camille did try and say where she was coming from that we saw, it just sort of ended up 
really condescending, like Christina says later. Yeah. And I don't think we ever got like a pure perspective from her of like, why are you doing this? And when she says, the like, I don't want to kick my granddaughter to the house, well, sure, that's really understandable. Yeah. But she also understands, like, this is maybe not my place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just made a lot of sense. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. What were you going to say about the safety net comment? Because I, yeah, that was that was kind of a beautiful comment, I think, that um, Camille made. Because, yeah, would it be better if she's like, nope, you can't stay here? Like, that wouldn't be better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Then where does she go? Then she goes to Alex. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I really feel like Camille is in the right and Adam and Christina are in the wrong. But I do get where Christina's coming from, that it would be very difficult if your kid was like, needing a safety net like when you feel like you have created a safe place you know and your home should be that but I think that just goes to show how little she's understanding where her daughter's coming from yeah it doesn't seem like she's listening to her daughter at all she's like dug in that she's right and she doesn't want to hear she's wrong from anybody (laughs) right Actually, that reminds me, Adam says something like that, right? He it, Like to Christina at one point, he's like, I feel like we've just dug our heels in and we're, you know, like, and, and I thought, I'm so glad you've said that because that's, I think, why I was feeling so frustrated because I'm like, I don't even think that this is righteous in their minds anymore. I think it's become like a tug of war. They just don't want to lose. They've They've gone this far. So I really respected that Adam was like kind of recalibrating, you know, and being like, Maybe we were wrong, which is hard to admit, especially when you've lost this much face you when know, you've gone this yeah. far. Yes. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a Dr. Phil lesson. He's like, do you want to be right <laughs> or do you want to be happy? Yes. And it's like, yeah, now they just want to win. Yeah. That's so true about recalibrating. Christina never recalibrates. She's just like she's on her path and she doesn't she can't see it from anyone else's perspective. Yeah, Totally. Actually, the episode that she really brought to mind in this one was, I think it was the season finale, or sorry, the season premiere when she's teaching Hattie to drive. Only that's the comical (laughs) version of this where, you know, she's just nuts in that episode. And I'm like, what is happening? You know, she has just gone to the worst case scenario and it's played for laughs there. And here it isn't. This is like the serious version of that. And I've that made me feel weirdly better because I'm like, oh, she's just spiraling right now. She can't get out of the worst case scenario in her head. And that is why she's being so irrational and won't listen to anyone, which she also wouldn't do when she was trying to teach Hattie to drive. And so I thought, okay, this is just a real character trait of hers. And it made me, it made her feel human again to me instead of just like last episode, I was like, she's like a villain now. That's what, you know? And so (laughs) anyway, um, Caleb, what were you going to say? Oh, I found it funny in their little scene in the car as they're driving over to the grandparents' house when Adam says something like, what, we can't just drag her home. And I thought, you're literally the only character we've seen who has dragged her home before. (laughs) I mean, maybe he's learned. I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. That that's not successful. But I just thought it was a little ironic. It occurred to me that Damien... And I know that's with Amber, not Hattie. And I know that's Sarah as the parent and not Adam and Christina. But I was like, boy, 
Damien lived by himself and I'm guessing he was a couple of years older. And, you know, I don't think that he was like in AA or anything, but he certainly didn't have the integrity of Alex. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought that's really interesting. Uh, Clearly not every parent on this show would react to such an adult relationship. You know, I mean, Sarah even once walked in on like Damien and Amber in the shower. That's pretty adult. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she didn't love that. It's not like she was like, yay. (laughs) She said, you're dead. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) But I mean... She she did not forbid it. She said, I don't think this is a good idea. But she did try to reason with with her daughter in a way that Adam and Christina just don't. And I feel like we've talked about this before, but I think Sarah really just understands that Amber's a person, you know, and like not just some idealized little girl who's not growing up. And I, I don't know. I, I I just kept thinking, oh, I guess we haven't seen a relationship like that on this show yet. We've just seen Steve. And then I'm like... Not entirely true. We've seen Damien. And also, I think Sarah must have recognized that Amber wasn't actually in love with Damien. Right. As was proven then by as soon as it wasn't forbidden. (laughs) She's like, no. The the veil was kind of lifted (laughs) from Amber's eyes and she saw Damien for what he was, which was a total joke. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see how would Sarah have handled it if it was something with more substance as Hattie and Alex clearly are. Yeah. Well, here's the scene when the parents arrive at the grandparents' house. I called it Hattie and the Rents, which I think sounds like a band. <laughs> we want you to come home. Well, you know my condition. Hattie, come oh on. My we're God. Parents, we're not, okay? We're not here to negotiate. Absolutely okay? not. Well, I'm not going to come home until I can see Alex. Hattie, I know that you think you're an adult and you can make up your own mind about things, but you're not. You're 16 and you live in our house. Absolutely. You're well, not right now. That's why I'm not there. You're acting like a baby. You're not going to date Alex acting like this. This is ridiculous. Dad? Yeah? Is this the way that you feel after Alex went to talk to you? I like Alex, okay? I don't think it's an appropriate relationship for you, and I think that staying here is a stunt. Why don't we have a conversation about what it is that makes you uncomfortable about Alex? Because we he is a good guy, about what makes but, us uncomfortable but we can get Alex. past it if you just talk about it and don't just... You're 16 years is old. It, You're a junior in high school. He's 19. What about he lives in an apartment. That has I nothing to do with well, me. Please don't ever or, bring that up again. And we're not racist, okay? Well, then... You're 16. He's 19, okay? He lives I mean, alone I've heard this in an before, apartment. But he's an I alcoholic. I can't hear and Stop you're it. not an alcoholic. Stop saying things ever. that are just wrong with him. This is somebody that I care about, that I want to be with. You want to be with him? Yes. More than you want to be with us? Yes. There's nothing else to say. I agree. Whew what was their objective with going over there? Like, what did they think was going to happen? It's a good question. I'm not sure they thought it through. I don't very think. much. I mean, it seemed like a sort of, we'll just, we're just going to lay down the law. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's too late. I mean, if she's, yeah, left, she's left, if she's left the house, they don't have the higher your, ground. They yeah, act what's like they your do. Leverage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like you oh, have no. to go in there with like some kind of concession or there's not going to be any movement. She's just going to stay where she is. The only thing I thought sort of to Adam and Christina's credit was I agreed with Adam when he said, I think staying here is a stunt. I agree. I think it is a stunt. I don't think Hattie has really thought this through either. But outside of that, 
I think Hattie is acting much more mature than they are. I mean, when she says, why don't we have a conversation about what it is that makes you uncomfortable about Alex? I just thought, yes, is this not the most glaringly obvious (laughs) next step? Okay, I understand that you have reservations about me dating this guy. What are they and can we address them? And maybe you can't, I don't know. And then I don't know where that takes them. But I feel like, especially now that Adam has sort of admitted in front of everyone, I like Alex. Well, and I think even Christina would say that. You know, they had dinner with him. She was impressed with him. So, yeah, I just feel like they've never articulated. They had their little laundry list of he lives alone. He's 19. He's an alcoholic. He didn't finish high school. But like Hattie said in a previous episode, what do you think is going to happen? That's the question. Yeah. And that I feel like they haven't answered. Yeah. Two things that Christina said that I hated. And, you know, I'm sure that they're being reactionary when she says, is it because he's black, which she has said before. And of course they would never say, yes, it is. And I don't Uh think in their minds that has anything to do with it. But as we've talked about before, like, I don't know a single racist person who says, I'm racist. Like, I think everyone says I'm not racist. And actually, the the tricky part is acknowledging that we all have these biases, you know, like they're not even acknowledging that they have them, which I find troubling. Christina even does that very, like, it wasn't on my subtitles, but I listened to it over and over to see if I'd heard correctly. I really think she says, I have black friends. And I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) I I think she does. We should listen to it again, like at some point and just make sure. But I listened to it again and again. And like when she was like, is it because he's black? And the, the subtitles were covering what Adam said. But I really think she said I have black friends. And then later, when when she was listing what she didn't like about Alex, she was like, he's an alcoholic you're not an alcoholic and she said it like that I'm like god calm down you sound so judgy (laughs) (laughs) I have to listen (laughs) (laughs) why don't we have a conversation about seniors old you're a junior in high school he's 19 he lives in an apartment you're a junior in high school he's 19 he lives in an apartment that has I nothing like to do with being Please don't ever or, bring that up again. And we're not wait, racist. I think she okay, said, well then I think she says, I like, like black, black men. men. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe is even worse. I don't know if that's better or worse, but at least it's not a cliche. At least it's not what every racist person says to prove they're not yes. racist. Are those her like search terms? I get it. Oh, no. I'm glad you played it again and again because I I don't want to speak out of turn. But you did hear it. I mean, you heard. I heard something. Something. But, you know, the one thing I wondered about with Hattie, because I'm so obviously on her side that I keep trying to think of it, you know, differently. Like, what if I were a parent? How would I feel about this? I, I do think I agree with the stunt thing. But then I'm also like... When she said, you know, my condition, would that piss you off? Like, Lauren, I know your kids are very young um, and Caleb and I don't have them. But I wonder, like, would that make you angry if you were like, you know, if if your kids said to you, well, you know, my condition. Yes. It would make (laughs) my head explode. I don't have teenagers, but I am terrified for the day that they are teenagers and that I have to deal with any of this. Yeah. Because... I wasn't a great teenager. 
So, I mean, that's not my memory, just, but maybe maybe <laughs> that's, that's your parents' good. memory. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think a lot of the things that she says to them would, as a parent, annoy me. But the main thing that I think of is that she says, why can't we just have a conversation about this? Which I thought was super mature. Yeah. And Christina lists off the things that she has a problem with. And she's like, you're just naming problems. (laughs) And, but that's exactly what she asked for is like, what's your issue here? Yeah. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. She didn't like the issues that she had, which is fine. Yeah. I think you're so right, though. That's that's really interesting. I think what it is, is what we were saying earlier. They have to discuss the issues, but not just as a list of problems, but as how do we approach them? You know, how do we solve them? I I suppose like you don't solve him being 19. But yeah, yeah. Like maybe she doesn't go over there by herself. Maybe he comes to her house, stuff like that. There's so many middle grounds that they could hit if Christina and Adam would chill out a little bit. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, Melissa, you referenced this other scene earlier between Adam and Christina. Your mother can be so condescending. Come on, whose side is she? I know how my mother can be, Christina. Thank you. I mean, whose side is she on, you know? It's like, help us out here, Camille. I don't think there are any sides here, Christina. I think that my mother is just trying to be supportive of her granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And she knows Alex well. Really? It's a soup kitchen, so maybe she has a valid point of view. I know that she knows Alex, okay? But I know that he's an alcoholic, okay? And he's 19 and he lives by himself. I know he's an alcoholic, too, and I know he has his own apartment. We've been through all this, okay? We've been through our list of pros and cons on the list that we made, you know? I understand that. What are you saying? Maybe we made a mistake. Okay, go on. Go ahead. I like him. You like him? Yeah. That's great. You spend 10 minutes with him at your office. He comes by and now you like him. Look, this doesn't wanna, make any sense Christina, to you. No, no, I don't no, no, want to no, have no. an argument, okay? I'm not I'm having an argument, okay? He has integrity. He's polite. He's mm-hmm. smart. He's honest. I like him. That's amazing. Maybe you guys can be pals. Maybe you can be friends and hang out. Christina, I feel like we made this decision and now we've just got our heels dug in. We're trying to save face and you I think we're making a mistake. Okay? You're wrong. I know where this is headed, honey. Okay. They're at two different stages in their lives right now, okay? She's going to start spending the night, okay? She's going to start sleeping over there. She's going to start having sex with them and we're going to lose her to this guy that we don't even really know. No, just, Christina, you got to wake up here, okay? Exactly what you're afraid of is what's going to happen. We're going to lose her. We just lost her for three or four days over at my parents' Adam, house. There's no telling what's going to happen you know when what? she turns you're, 18. You're right. We can lose her. I feel like in this scene, for the first time, she actually fleshes out what her actual concern is there at the end. She's going to fall in love with him, and then she's going to have sex with him, and they're going to lose her. And I thought exactly what you said earlier, Melissa. It made me think of the driving lesson Mm -hmm. in the first episode of the season. And I was like, this is just their driving lesson debacle on steroids. Yeah. She is just catastrophizing this This will happen, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, and I'll never see my daughter again. (laughs) Yes. And at least then, like you said, like, I still disagree with her. I think (laughs) she's being irrational. But now her position feels like it's being a little bit more rounded, and I'm understanding at least what this is rooted in. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it, it does seem like a consistent character trait for her. Whereas it did seem a little bit like, why is... Like with Steve in season one, 
Adam was the crazy one. Yeah. And Christina seemed a little more reasonable about the whole thing. Like, okay, well, teenage girls are going to date. And she kept telling Hattie, I trust you. I trust you. And now that trust is just gone. Where is it? And yeah, I think she's just spiraling. I also, there were, there were a couple other things I noted. First of all, it seemed rare. It's probably not, but it felt rare (laughs) to me to have one character criticizing another character to a third character. Mm. Like her just flat out telling Adam, your mom is condescending. (laughs) Have we seen much of that? I, I don't know. And not humorously. Right. Yeah. And then secondly, I thought that it was strange yet again that there was sort of this like question of devotion to your childhood family or your adult family. Like Adam is kind of siding with Camille instead of with Christina. Now, I think he's right. (laughs) But it was like, oh, we've seen this before, too, haven't we? Thirdly, I found it kind of strange but weirdly encouraging that Christina has dismissed Camille's criticisms of her. But at first, when Adam starts voicing them, she does at least give him a chance to speak. Although she says it like, yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> but I thought that was, I, I liked that actually. Because yeah. of course she doesn't want to hear it. She doesn't want to hear that she's wrong. That makes sense to me. But it seemed like she was saying, okay, I even though I don't want to hear this, I know that I should hear it. Mm -hmm. I know that I should give you a chance, my husband, to say what you want to say. She then immediately. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to say, la, 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 he's 19, he's an alcoholic. I would put this firmly in the category of the Bravermans need friends. Yeah. Because why are you talking to your husband about his mother? Yeah, that's That's where you need a friend. Yeah. I thought he handled that very well because that would... Tread lightly, I suppose, when you're criticizing someone's mom, especially a mom as great as Camille. And I get why Camille is on Christina's nerves right now because they do disagree. But I'm like, she's also letting your daughter stay with her right now. And as far as I can tell, she's never like interfered in their marriage before or done any of... She seems like a pretty cool mother-in-law. Yeah. Like, I think you kind of hit the jackpot there. And and so, you know, maybe right now, but, but I mean, I'm also biased because I was, I just thought Camille couldn't win in this episode. I felt like everything she did was trying to extend an olive branch and Christina just like karate chopped the olive branch and <laughs> threw it in her face. <laughs> so anyway. Lauren, I'm I'm curious since you, I mean, again, your, your daughters are so young, but are you nervous? I mean, you said you're nervous for them to be teenagers. What do you think it will be like for you when they date? And do you think back to when you dated with your parents and stuff? You know, like, like, how do you feel about all that? Terrified. Yeah. Like, at this point, I feel like I have so much control of everything about their lives. And so for me, and now that I have an eight-year-old who is more doing her own thing and wanting to spend time on her own and uh, it's hard for me to like let go and just let them, I trust, I mean, she's eight, what's she going to do? <laughs> but it's hard to give up, you know, when you've spent all these years doing everything for them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, I mean, your goal is to release, right? Yes. And I heard once that you don't, you're not raising children, you're raising adults. You want them to become an adult. So there's a balance between like you want them to listen to you but you want them to have their own opinions and voice and how much of that is like 
talking back mm. and how much is that is is just a negotiation or discussion with you as a parent it's a difficult balance at this point and I just I think it's going to be a challenge the whole way through <laughs> that's beautiful well and it also makes me think like what you just said about how much of that is is talking back and how much you know how much is just figuring out you finding your voice that's beautiful and it makes me think about how the trickiest part with Hattie is she knows she's right. You know, she says that at the end, and I think she says yeah. it really beautifully. It would and be she s- seems very secure in what she's saying. Yeah. She's very mature for like, yes. <laughs> I could not have formed my opinions like that as a 17, 18 year old yeah. kid. No way. No, she's she's wonderful. I really <laughs> I'm very impressed by her. But yeah, like they may think she's being rude. And maybe some people out there listening to us think that she is being rude and that she needs to do what they say, even if they're wrong. But I I just feel like that would be so difficult for me if I knew my parents were wrong. And this wasn't just me flying off the handle, but I knew that they were wrong. And um, yes. yeah, that, that makes it so difficult. I don't think she's just being rude or, or talking back. I think she's weirdly trying to teach them a lesson you know, you know, like, so maybe it is a stunt, but I'm also like, maybe she's trying to like help them grow, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. And even the fact that she comes to their house at the end and apologizes to them for what she said is so mature. I I mean, yes, I suppose I would say that she does owe them an apology, but I wouldn't have blamed her if she didn't want to give them one when she knows that she's right. But for her to be able to separate those things, to say, like, I'm still right on the merits. And yet, boy, that was not a very nice thing of me to say to these people who I do actually care about. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. (laughs) Now, Sarah says to Adam in another scene that she says, you know, this is what we get for raising strong women. I wonder what you guys thought of that. Do you think she's right or is that missing the mark a bit? I think this is what you want when they're an adult right? Like this is the way that you want them to behave. It just, they have to do it with you as a parent first. (laughs) And as a parent, I think that kind of sucks. (laughs) Well, and, and yeah, and, and I definitely think Sarah's right that they have raised pretty incredible young women. And I don't think that's an accident. You know, I think that that is a result of good parenting. So I didn't really think that she had missed the mark. And I think maybe it made Adam feel better because in the deleted scene you played, Caleb, which I hadn't heard before, he he says, I'm not feeling like a very good parent. And then at the end of the episode, when Camille is trying to make Christina feel better, <laughs> she's like, Sarah sure used to make me feel like a rotten mother. And Christina's like, well, I don't feel like a rotten mother. You know? like, <laughs> Sorry, you felt that way. Yeah, so rude, so bitchy. <laughs> she was just trying to make her feel better. But I think that's interesting because Sarah really nails it. She's like, we're good parents. And they are. I, you know, yes. Yeah. They're not making the right decision in this moment, but they have a whole history of good decisions behind them. I do think that. And, you know, as a parent, like your whole job is to keep them safe. So at this point, when you have to let go and like, just hope that everything that you've done is, was the right thing. Yeah. I can see that being terrifying. Yeah. Well, and you know that I feel like I'm connecting three different things in my mind now, but in a great way, just you saying, you know, your job is to make them safe. And I think what we've seen in several episodes thus far is 
one of the big struggles of being a parent is that is your job, but you can't do it. You can't keep them entirely safe. And so I suppose all you can really hope for is, can I construct an environment around them in which the mistakes that they are inevitably going to make have the least damaging consequences? Yeah. And that's like exactly what Camille was saying, a safety net. The child is going to fall off the high wire at some point. No one makes it across flawlessly. (laughs) Can you build a net there? So maybe she dates Alex and yeah, maybe she does have to deal with some adult things. Wouldn't it be great if she had a support system (laughs) of two mature, loving, capable people (laughs) to assist her in dealing with all of those things? And luckily for Hattie, she does have that. If only they could kind of get past their... Something I really got in this episode that I hadn't gotten before is that Christina particularly is operating purely out of fear. Mm. She is just terrified. And that at least allows me to have some compassion for her. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to, at, at some point, maybe maybe right now, bring up this fear of Hattie having sex. Because that was a fear that Adam really had first season. I get that she's young. And and I really think it would have been unfortunate if she had been 15 and had slept with Steve, who ended up being, you know, <laughs> sleeping with Amber. You know, like that would have been a really <laughs> sucky first time. And I get that a lot of parents probably hope that their daughter or their son, their child, will be much older than 16. But to be realistic, a lot of people are around 16, you know, when they have sex for the first time. And forbidding their kid from seeing someone isn't the best way to keep that from happening. And there probably actually is no way to keep it from happening. But yeah, like Caleb was just saying, if you can be rational and like loving and supportive and there for your kid, maybe your kid is more likely to talk to you about it and you can help them be prepared both emotionally and physically, you know, be be safe and and wait until it's like comfortable and you know the person really well and you use protection. I just feel like, oh, it's it's not going to work to take down your daughter's door and be like, you can't see him. Um, <laughs> that, that She's not going to be like, oh, I'll never have sex ever then. I'll, I'll wait till I'm married. <laughs> you know, and, and so I feel like this is kind of a wasted opportunity to just get over your own fears of your daughter growing up and realize this will happen at some point. I can do my part to make this a positive experience for her, or I can just really head her down a path of having a negative sexual experience. And and so I, I think that's something that parents have to think about as their kids get older. It also kind of feels like they haven't had a conversation about sex, except when Steve was around and it was like, don't. Yeah. So <laughs> you kind of have to approach the situation before they're 16. Like that should be a conversation that yeah. they're having for a while get her on birth control you know like talk to her about consent i mean you can't just be like no this is there's so many conversations that need to happen and well before 16 well and christina had a fairly honest conversation with hattie in the season one finale about Mm. steve when they were in the car together Uh and hattie says you know i know i'm not ready and christina says that's right you're not ready (laughs) And then she's like, I know you know that, but you're 15, you're not ready. I wonder how much of this, because like I said, I feel like Christina was 
fairly clear-eyed about the Steve situation and that she realized, yeah, Hattie's going to be attracted to boys. But I wonder if this the difference with Alex, well, one of them, is that she realizes it is not a teenage girl type crush. Yeah. It is something much more significant. I think it was the last episode where she said she's falling in love with him. And then in this episode, Camille said that she's falling in love with him. And then I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to something that I feel like explains so much about this whole storyline. You okay? I wonder if you wonder too. You know, my mom ran away with my dad when she was 16. Yeah, I forget she was that young. He made her so miserable every single day of her life. Hattie is not gonna run off and get married now. You don't know that, honey. You should see how she looks at him. You have no idea. Christina, we're not gonna lose our daughter. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do right now. Neither do I. All I know is I miss our little girl and I want her to come home. No next time. Me too. I just wrote down, like in all caps, and there it is. Because <laughs> to me, this was like the missing piece of what is fueling all of this. And this makes me have so much more compassion for what she's doing, although I still think that she's wrong. Yeah. But at least it makes sense that there's some baggage there that gives her real concern. I remembered that this scene was coming. And something about what Christina said in that earlier scene where she said Alex is an alcoholic and Hattie isn't. I admit I am totally reading in something that I don't think was intentional. But it made me wonder if Christina's father was an alcoholic. Hmm. Huh. And, you know, she alluded in the first season to Hattie, my dad was nothing like your dad. Yeah. And now here she's saying, oh, yeah. he made my mom so miserable. And even though that may not be the case, it would explain it even more that these things are triggering to her. That her mom ran away when she was 16. Her mom thought she was in love with him. This guy ruined her life. He was an alcoholic. He was maybe not a very good father. And of course she wouldn't want that for Hattie. And that she then spirals. Oh, that's what's going to happen. All of it, to me, just alludes to the fact that I think Christina maybe did not have a very good childhood or family life. And that gives me even more compassion for her. And it makes me understand why she might be so protective of her family. Maybe this kind of family bliss that she has was really hard fought or something that she never thought that she'd have. And so now she has some really significant anxiety about I mean, maybe I feel like she's just in constant fear that something's going to screw it all up. And then in that same scene in season one in the car, she said to Hattie that she was pressured into many things at Hattie's age that she regrets. And so I thought, you know, maybe she had to grow up before she wanted to. And it just it all made so much more sense to me. And I think now that she said it, perhaps someone could go through all those things with her and point out all the ways in which their lives are different and that. Christina, because she's a good mother, has created circumstances for Hattie that are really different. Yeah, that's beautifully put. That was so insightful, Kayla. I love that. 
I found it so annoying that Adam kept going along with her. Mm. It felt like he had an opposite view, Mm -hmm. right? Like I felt like I could see him disagreeing with her, but going along with her the whole time. Or maybe get getting talked into it by her. Yeah, maybe so. Because he even, like we talked about, he brought it up a couple of times. We're digging our heels in. And then he defends Camille Mm. after she's complaining about Camille. And he says she just wants what's best for her granddaughter. I feel like he sees a little more clearly, but he's not allowed. I don't know. No, I think you're totally right. And I think that... I don't know. He's somehow able to be a little clearer here. And it makes me wonder if like, is that a dynamic in just relationships in general where only one person can really fully spiral and the other person has to kind of come back? Cause he, he was the one who was always freaking out about Steve and Christina was like yeah. the calmer one. So I don't know. That's interesting. It also makes me wonder if this is such a significant issue for Christina. How did Adam forget like I, I buy that yes. he might, I buy that he might forget the exact age. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she's the exact same age as Hattie. But wouldn't he know that Christina's parents got together when they were teenagers or very young and that she didn't have a great home life if that is indeed the case? And wouldn't he connect those very obvious dots and... Maybe not, Oh, another thing I was thinking of, it made me wonder if they were so young and then what Christina said in the earlier scene about she's going to have sex with him and she's going to... I wonder, like, was Christina an unplanned pregnancy? Like, did her mom get pregnant as a teenager or something and then was cemented in that horrible marriage? And that's another thing Christina doesn't want. I don't know. I'm filling in so many empty spaces, <laughs> which I actually kind, I actually kind of like. I like that it's not all spelled out. And I feel like this mm-hmm. show often does eventually make everything very clear. I sort of like that this history of Christina's is a little bit, is a lot unclear. Although it does make me very curious to know what exactly is going on there. I also wondered, since we're always on the lookout for any in-law info. Yeah. It sounded to me like both of her parents are dead. Or that she doesn't have a relationship with them, at least. Maybe, because she said he made her miserable every single day of her life. I thought, would you say that about someone who was still living? That's true. That is really interesting. Well, and... and Christina's got depth. (laughs) She does. (laughs) You know, um, I definitely at some point wanted to make this connection. I hadn't thought about this until, Caleb, you you were giving this... Really yammering. No, no, I loved it. But it it reminds me of Renee, um, Jasmine's mom, in the episode where she's being really short with Crosby. Um, And finally, she just kind of admits that Crosby reminds her of her ex-husband, who was really fun and not very responsible and eventually left. And Crosby was like, well, that's not fair. I'm not him and you can't blame me for for that. But, you know, that was explicitly stated. And this one's maybe more, you know, although, no, this one is explicitly stated because she at the end of the episode, Christina says my, my mom was so young and this happened. So that seems to be an interesting theme on this show where like people are so afraid of bad things that have happened to them happening again, you know, history repeating. And I guess that's kind of a human fear too. I guess we're all trying to avoid whatever's hurt us in the past happening again. And I think it's a nice statement about how, you know, lived experience 
often is subjective. I mean, the way one person reacts to what they've been through is not the way another person reacts to it. And if that's all you go on, it may really warp what you think is going to happen. You know, like I know we've wondered before if in some ways Sarah and Christina have maybe dealt with some similar things Mm. in their past, but clearly they've taken really different lessons away from those things. You know, Sarah thinks, oh, I need to give my daughter some room. And Christina is just on guard. I need to take the door off of her room. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> let that happen. Yeah. And those are maybe both understandable. Anyway, I don't know quite, quite where I was going with that point. But it's just, just that your experience can shape you and not always in rational ways. Earlier you said, wouldn't Adam have put it together? But I wonder if he would have, because, you know, he had such an ideal childhood, it seems, that I don't know if you're always able to, like, put yourself in someone else's, you know, like, he's probably not thinking. She doesn't seem to talk about it. No. Hardly ever. Well, because she's not, you know, originally a Braverman, and that's the only family that anyone really talks about. We only talk about the Braverman. (laughs) Right. Yeah, who cares what Joel went through or (laughs) Christina? So, um, We don't even know what her maiden name was. Sorry, (gasps) I interrupted you earlier. You're right. Oh, and, you know, I got to say this. Maybe this is the, the moment to say it, but it was both in the episode synopsis and Jasmine says it in the episode where they're like, they're the Braver women welcoming us into their tribe. And... I don't think tribe's a very good thing to say if you're not talking about like native people. I just wanted to make that clear. Like, but that's something that like I used I to say. I like the term braver women though. I, I like too. Yeah. Just say braver women. Yeah. I like that a lot. But yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that because it just, it's one of those things that it didn't used to occur to me. I shouldn't say that. And then once it occurred to me, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to say that again if I'm not talking about, you know, actual tribe. Yep. So, but anyway, minor, minor, uh, you know, quibble, I suppose. But <laughs> Okay. I'm pouring a cup of coffee. Okay. Just for your, <laughs> so it, in case it sounds That's like actually I'm- a really nice segue because before we leave <laughs> this storyline, I wanted to bring attention to. Hey. Hi. Want one of these? Yeah. I have one that says, Adam, do you want that one? Yeah, I do. It's got my name on it. They are just I mean, flirting with who, each other. <laughs> yeah. Who could miss the very clear sexual tension there? <laughs> I. It's so funny. I'm sure that's just supposed to be cute brother-sister banter, but I thought their chemistry was sort of off the charts in that brief little exchange, and then it's like they realized, oh, yes, we're siblings. Let's <laughs> We're playing siblings. Let's go back to that. But, yeah, that was one of those moments where I'm like, that was just really, that was Peter and Lauren for a moment instead of Adam and Sarah. So, yeah, <laughs> I will say that I thought Christina was is obnoxious in this storyline, but I think Monica Potter is amazing. Uh, Her like constant peppering in of snark in all the episodes. <laughs> just I love it. She's so good. She's really I agree. Yeah, I feel like she takes advantage of the over talking so well. <laughs> That just like everyone else is talking and she just peppers in these little Easter eggs. Yes, <laughs> she does. I never noticed it before this particular watch. And now she usually says at least one thing per episode that really cracks me up that I'm yes. like, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I I have to say, like, I <laughs> I won't maybe won't go so far as to call her performance brave, but I thought it was kind of <laughs> courageous of her to make Christina so unlikable. Yeah. You know, she really goes all in. And for a couple episodes in a row here, 
it's not fun watching Christina and I don't like her, but I think, you know, you don't like everyone in your real life all, all the time, time. Yeah, but that's that doesn't true. mean you hate them forever. And I'm sure I will like Christina again very soon. <laughs> Eventually. Well, I will say, I think on this very podcast, I have, I have questioned now if I even like Christina and if I even like Sarah and Sarah is one of my favorite characters, but with that whole like Gordon thing. And like when she blew off forklift, Mike, I was like, do I even like you? Yes, I do. I love, I love Sarah. (laughs) And you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to love Christina again too. But yeah, I think it is like real life kind of where someone just, there's like a period where they're, they're getting on your nerves, not because of a storyline. Cause I don't think we really have storylines in our real lives, but you know, like something going on in your life and you're like, man, they are just pissing me off. And I guess, I guess maybe that makes them like family in a way. <laughs> I do feel that way about the whole series. Like there is someone in each episode that I am super annoyed by yeah. and it usually changes. There's not like <laughs> one that I'm like, Oh, I can't stand that character. Like yeah. I like them all, but they're, is one that annoys me in most episodes. Yeah. It's usually Max. Well, and speaking <laughs> of Hattie, that's someone who has really transformed for me from previous viewings to this time. I think I did used to think Hattie was like obnoxious and bratty. And occasionally, because she's playing a teenager, and she is a teenager, the way her attitude or the way she says something will be very bratty. But now I see that, you know, on the merits of whatever <laughs> her position is she's usually like crazily mature for her age yes yes <laughs> well and for me it's zeke um where i am either like damn it zeke you're so charming i love you i wish i could hug you or i'm like get out of here you <laughs> sexist old man <laughs> yep. yeah it's just funny and and often it's in a single scene he'll just turn it and i'm like oh, i was so mad at you zeke but yeah he had a real roller coaster this episode yeah he really yeah. did well let's let's jump to zeke okay so i hear you taking max camping yes i am and Jabbar's gonna be next what about sydney no, Sydney is a girl. What? Girls don't camp? Oh, no, honey, see, this is a male bonding thing. It's traditional. Mm. It's like it goes back to the original Braverman hunter gatherers. That is sexist and absurd. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> somehow because jasmine calls it sexist and absurd and he agrees it took all my anger right out i was like <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> i was kind of pissed and i thought I, I thought i'd continue to be pissed the whole episode but i'm like well he knows <laughs> I, don't know. I was a little more conflicted i think than you because i felt everything you felt yeah but i also was like what? So that just gets him off the hook? Like, I'm horrible, <laughs> but I know it. Isn't that adorable? It's, like, it's not adorable. No. But I get that in real life, that's maybe what would happen. And it's not like I'm craving an episode where Jasmine really, you know, rakes Zeke over the coals. Maybe I am. I am craving that. But then it did, <laughs> I did make me kind of like, I, I thought it was dumb then that after she leaves, Zeke would say, I like a woman who speaks her mind. No, he doesn't. And it's like, would you <laughs> no. like it so much if she didn't just then completely let you off the hook yeah. as she does? True. Yeah. He, you no, kiss he's, her forehead and it's like, ah, you. No, he's, he's always like, who wears the pants? So right there. Yeah. yeah he doesn't. Yeah. But Lauren, what were you going to say about that? Just that the whole family lets him get away with this behavior. Like we saw it at the 
birthday party for Jabbar. Oh, yeah. And everybody oh. was like, oh, stop. <laughs> but no one ever calls him out or like addresses it in any way. They're just like, that's how dad is. I know. Just don't listen to him. And Crosby was just giving her the look like, oh, don't bring that up. Yeah. Well, and I'm like, Jasmine could probably give him a little more grief because like a few episodes back in the Thanksgiving episode when they're all playing football and Adam picks Jasmine and Jabbar for the team and he's like, is that because they're black? It's like, if I were Jasmine, I might have some angry things to say about Zeke that were a lot more warranted than Christina's about Camille. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'd be like, your dad is borderline racist sometimes. What do we do about that? Like, <laughs> Um, but yeah, Although I also loved, I feel like Christina much more subtly was just not having time for Zeke <laughs> when, <laughs> when they're going over the instructions. I just loved her reaction. She seemed too exhausted to humor him <laughs> with his bullshit. And I sometimes roll my eyes at toxic masculinity, not because it's not real, but just because I don't like being lumped in with it you're you not know, lumped in with you're well, the farthest you know, sometimes, thing sometimes it's you know true but anyway but the, there is a trait that i think zeke shows in that scene with christina where it's like did you read the manual and he's like, i don't need a manual to hang out with my own grandson that feels so particularly male <laughs> it reminds me of my landlord actually it's like oh just like through sheer confidence and force of will <laughs> i will acquire knowledge that i didn't have without having to actually learn anything like, no, you won't. And that is a behavior that I think the world needs to pass Caleb, by the, and leave behind. The very <laughs> fact that you look up things constantly is like the so the opposite of that exact thing that you just called so like toxic. True, I guess. Well, yeah. and I to give equal time, I do think the flip side of that is like women's intuition, which I also think is bullshit. <laughs> women funny. don't have any special intuition because they're women. I, yeah. I have very little intuition into anything. But I will say... The thing that made me wonder about whether this was sexist or if it was okay that he just takes his grandsons, I'm genuinely asking this. I don't have my mind made up one way or the other. I thought this would be an interesting conversation. Would a young girl, the same age as Max, you know, like be really comfortable going alone with her grandfather camping? Maybe yes, you know, but, but I just, maybe for some reason it didn't strike me as all that strange because I'm like, well, are there times... I mean, does gender ever matter? I know, like, we say, like, gender is a construct, you know, like, and and I believe that. But then I wonder, are there ever times when it's, like, the women in the family do something and it's, like, a tradition and the men in the family do something and it's a tradition? Or is that always sexist? And whatever you do for the girls, you should do with the boys, etc. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not really sure how I feel about that. That's a tough one. Because like we go back to my in-laws farm and so we take them out there and they go and, you know, play in the tractors and on the farm and do all, you know, get dirty and all that stuff. And they love it. And they're not at all left out. I would say my nieces and nephews that are back there, like it's pretty equal. Girls and boys do all the things. That's good. But I do like having traditions like my mom and I always went to the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. Like we would come down to Kansas City and it would be a day and we would, you know, do the Nutcracker and go to a fancy restaurant. And not that the boys couldn't do that, but there is something to be said for like having those traditions. Not that boys couldn't. Yeah. 
So I'm torn. I know. What I really like about it is just that there is something set aside for Zeke to do with grandkids Mm one-on-one. Yes. That aspect of it, I really like. That it's, you know, when you reach such and such age, you get to do something with grandpa and he's just focused on you because Mm -hmm. you are special. You're not just one of many. You are your own person. I don't, and in a way, I don't even mind if gender were a part of it because... It is something that he shares with Drew and Max that he doesn't share with Sydney. But I think then he needs to have something that he does with Sydney, just the yeah, two of agreed. them. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't need to be camping. But I would actually broaden that out to, I don't think it needs to be camping with any of them. I think what would really be great is do something that the kid wants to do. You know, like in the last episode, I was all for pushing Jabbar to say his one line in a school play, even though... <laughs> he didn't totally want to. That to me didn't seem like a big deal. In this episode, I was all for don't make Max go camping. That literally as they're driving up, he's saying, I'm not excited. I don't want to do it. I won't enjoy it at all. <laughs> and it's overnight and it's far away. It's like, cancel that. Max doesn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go do something with Max that he does want to do. Yeah. And you compare that to Hattie giving Max the little pep talk before he goes like, well, enjoy this because I didn't get to, (laughs) you know, like grandpa didn't take me. And I thought, wow, that is kind of sad that like her memory is not getting to do the special thing with her grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. And like, did they do anything equivalent? Probably not. And then I also loved as he walks away, he's like, then you go. <laughs> I was like, Max is eminently reasonable yet again. Well, and you know, here's maybe some of the problems when things are gendered, because now I'm thinking back to that Thanksgiving episode and Drew's bonding thing with, with his grandpa was drinking a beer in the garage and avoiding helping at all costs. And Amber's thing with her grandma was making the entire dinner for everyone. And I'm like, that's that's one of the reasons gender is often like a problem because often it's not fair. Like I remember being really angry going to my grandparents' house for holidays and all the men, including my brother, would be like watching sports while the women were like cooking and doing the dishes and things. And I remember once (laughs) very indignant, you know, and I'm 11 years younger than my brother. And so I don't know how old I was, but I was like, Dave, get in here. You need to help. And he was like, I drove us here. Like, like he had exerted such energy driving. I think he was probably very happy to drive. I'm sure he was like 18 or something and loved it. And I was already seven and like seeing the injustice around me. So (laughs) I don't know. I, I do think there are times when maybe it's nice to have a tradition that's for the girls or the boys, but sometimes that can turn into something it's when you leave them out i think that it becomes a problem so like if hattie did want to go camping what's the harm in zeke taking her camping you're totally right i agree yeah it reminds me one of my favorite childhood things was my dad and i would go to the okay mozart festival in oklahoma which was a days-long classical music festival so there would be all sorts of concerts and things and we would pick you know like three concerts a day and go to these concerts. I don't know that my dad had any great love of classical music, but he knew that I did, and it was something that just he and I would do. Uh. And that was really great, but I I think one of the things that was so great about it is because we did it because I was interested. That's beautiful. I would not have wanted to go camping. (laughs) That was a question I had for, are either of you campers? 
No. I've literally never been camping ever in my life. And people, Me neither. Really? Yeah. Nor do I want to. It's the bathroom I, I, thing I for me. I prefer, you know, what Cole Porter called the great indoors. <laughs> <laughs> I think I appreciate a good hotel and I am happy to pay for it. <laughs> yes. I, I feel the same way. <laughs> I, I love the idea of camping and something tells me I would not love the reality of camping. Like I, the, the idea of like sleeping under the stars sounds so nice and like, you know, hot dogs and s'mores or something outside. That sounds real nice. But yeah, the minute I had to go to the bathroom, I'd be like, what is this? I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. So. And I don't know if I could sleep, like lying under the stars. That sounds great. But I wouldn't want to sleep. It's like, oh, and then just get eaten by a bear and not realize it until I'm halfway down its throat. <laughs> Like, what's happening? You're being eaten by a bear. <laughs> Maybe that's why I wasn't as indignant as I feel like I usually would be about the girls not going camping because I am a girl and I was thinking, well, I wouldn't want to do that. But that's bullshit because Hattie wanted to do that. And so she should yeah. have gotten to do that. Yes. OK, I'm back. Jasmine's right. I'm glad she called him on it. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I will say, well, let me play this clip first. Yeah, back from Vietnam, my life was a mess. This was heading talk. <laughs> yeah, how old is George? Though. <laughs> or, yeah, yes. yeah. She just loved me and she wouldn't let me go. I think she saved my life. Have we done everything we're supposed to do? <laughs> We haven't had our hot chocolate yet. You said if I wasn't having a good time, I could go home. You're not having a good time? No. That's probably my fault. <laughs> Talk too much. I just really want to go home. Well, we got to finish the marshmallows and we're going to count I'm the stars. I'm done with the marshmallows. What about counting the stars? I just want to go home! Now! I want to go home. I want to go home. Hey, I want to go home. I want to go home. I don't think his ruby slippers are working. Oh, God. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I was impressed at how calm Zeke was handling that interaction. He was like, oh, no, we, we have a list of things. At that point, it seemed like, oh, yeah, Zeke's got this under control. He's good. Like, no, we haven't done our list. We still have the hot chocolate and the... And I would think that Max would be like, okay, well, we have the list of things that we're supposed to get done. Yeah. That's a good point. I was impressed too because I thought if I were pouring my heart out about how someone had saved my life after Vietnam, um, I'm just like my feelings would have been so hurt if someone's like, "Are we done?" You know, like it's one of the <laughs> it's one of the things I like least about myself as a teacher is that if a student will say like. I really hate this piece we're reading. Or if a student will say like, this is boring, I get so offended that it's unreasonable. I take it so personally when it probably isn't. And I love that Zeke was just like, eh, it's probably my fault. I'm talking too much. I'm like, <laughs> I would so want to respond that way. But anyway, so I thought, yeah, he did. He wasn't all bad. You know, he didn't get all pissed off. He just underestimated how far that um, outburst would go, I guess. Yeah. I drew a parallel sort of between this scene with Zeke and that scene with Christina at the end where she talks about her parents mm. because it just made me wonder 
I don't think we've given Zeke like a fair hearing, perhaps, about being a veteran. Yeah, that's true. And that is some really serious shit he's apparently had to go through. I mean, if he thought his life was on the line and that Camille saved him, boy, that's backstory we haven't gotten spelled out even that much yet. And I don't know, I just thought like, oh, maybe I should do, maybe I would do well to remember that in the future when I'm ragging on him. Not that it excuses everything or anything, but I don't know that I've always factored it in. And I thought that's, it's probably more intense than actually anything that anybody else has gone through. That's true. The show. That's a really good point. I don't think I maybe really not think Alex. About it. Alex's childhood sounds really not good. Yeah, poor guy. Not that it's a contest, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I also thought that Adam's phone call with Max at the end about this camping trip was actually one of the best moments we've gotten between Adam and Max, because like Adam felt very supportive and he reassured him that he could come home if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. But then he related to Max over something that Max actually cared about. And I felt like, oh, that is Adam meeting Max where he is. Yes. You shouldn't go camp. You shouldn't stay there because, well, Grandpa Zeke did this nice thing for you and it's tradition. No, you like bugs and there's going to be a ton of lace wings in the morning. It's like, oh, Adam, are you learning? (laughs) I loved that phone call. My only quibble was I'm like, wow, you were so high seconds before. And now yes. you are completely. He just right up. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt like he would be like, those lace swings are beautiful, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's called being a parent, Melissa. It'll sober you up. I don't know. You're never <laughs> off the clock. That's right. Oh, yeah. Crosby should have given him real shit for that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. You're never off well, the block, Adam. <laughs> let's just enjoy a little bit of Adam being stoned. Hey. Sorry I'm late. I just got called into the office. It was a total ambush. It was unbelievable. But it was pretty mind-blowing, too, because you remember that boss that I have, who I think is an idiot, but he, you don't remember that guy? Well, he's not an idiot. I mean, he is, but he's not. He's got all these whacked-out charts and mumbo-jumbo drawn all over his office walls. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever until, bam, it hits me like a rainbow. You know you know how you always think the grass is greener, but you get there and it's not? Well, he's right. He's right. It's he's like right. a rainbow. Yeah, he's right. The grass is greener when we get back to basics at TNS, okay? Although one shoe, which is what he wants to do, this that's insane. That is insane, one shoe. But we do have to get back to the core, you know, of what TNS is. You know what I'm saying? Let me take a look at your eyes here. Ow! God! Double rainbow. Let me look at your eyes. What What are you doing to my face? You consumed. You're you're wasted. No, I'm not. Listen, are you stoned? Come on, please, Crosby. Is it? What is that? Can I have that? Where did you get? Hey, where did you get this? My boss gave it to me. Your boss gave you this? Yeah. Your boss gave you a lollipop. It's tangerine. You see this? It's tangerine. Joel, taste it. It's tangerine. I'm not going to taste it. It's not orange. Adam, do you know what an edible is? I know what an edible complex is. (laughs) (laughs) Joel, got it. You don't even, you're, buddy, you're, you're high. Edible marijuana, that's what this is. This is medicinal marijuana. He drugged me? Yes. Seriously, he slipped me a Mickey? You know, as Lucy pointed out in the last episode, they are wound so tight, Adam and Christina. 
Maybe Adam needs to get high a little more often. <laughs> a little more regularly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I know that this was, I don't know, 2004. So like legal marijuana was very new. But have you ever had an edible? Because <laughs> every single one of them tastes like weed. There's no <laughs> way you would get a sucker and not be like, this is normal. <laughs> well, you know, a small thing that I really liked about that story is that Corey actually calls it an edible as he hands it to Adam. Yeah. I appreciated that. And he doesn't know what that is yet. Yes. I appreciated that because I was like, I don't think on Corey's end, he thinks he is tricking Adam. I think no. he assumes like anyone would that anyone knows the word yes. edible. <laughs> And Adam just doesn't. Yes. And so it's a misunderstanding. And I thought that was so much better than like him actually, you know, having nefarious, you know, uh, intentions. So I, I thought. When I really felt, I really felt a strong. Would this happen in Berkeley? Thing, because I don't remember what age I was when I learned what an edible was. Um, it was not 41. <laughs> <laughs> and also I grew up in, although I guess this probably doesn't make a difference because there probably is just as much weed smoked in Southeast Kansas as there is in Berkeley. I'm sure. But I just feel like someone in growing up in this like hippie central town, they would know what an edible was. They probably would have had several. Mm -hmm. yeah. But whatever. It was real fun to watch. It was real fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think they chose to do that storyline? Like, it was very funny, and I'm sure that was part of the appeal. Let's take one of our most straight-laced characters and get him high. Won't that be fun to watch? But I wondered, was there at all, like, a deeper reason besides just humor? You know, like, did they think Adam has been under so much pressure with work, with his family, with everything? Let's see what that would look like if he was able to relax. Or, like, the fact that when he goes to the party... And says to Christina, you know, I'm really worried about us. We've never fought like this before. Is that something he only would have said if he were high? And was that something Christina needed to hear? Like, you know, I, I just wonder what the purpose of that storyline was. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we're not the writers. We don't know. <laughs> it was just a vehicle to the party. Mm. They had to get the boys into the yeah. house party somehow. You're right. That is that. That's it exactly. And get that party like actually started. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that poor party. Oh. I, oh my god. I worry that I'm Julia. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that, but that my idea of fun. <laughs> I've related to Julia on this exact topic before, but that my idea of fun is so tame that other people are like judging me for it. Because honestly, would I rather talk about college tuition or go have table topics? <laughs> Great conversations. We're like, I'd rather do the game one. <laughs> I don't want to talk about what's going on in our lives. You know, I... It's weird. I simultaneously got where Julia was coming from. The scene that really made me feel bad was when she was getting ready for the party. You know what? You and Adam and Crosby can stay out drinking till after midnight. You know, Ooh. have fun because the girls are going to be having fun. If we must. Here. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. This is so important to me. Clearly. We still got two days, hon. <gasps> I just, I want it to be awesome. It will be. I know. I just, I want them to leave and say... I can't believe I ever thought that it was not going to be fun at Julia's. I'm sure they don't think that. I know. I'm sure they don't. And yet, they go to mom and dad's, 
and they go to Adam and Christina's, and they don't come here. Well, it's probably because we're kind of out of the way. No, let's be honest. They okay. need to know that it's fun here. It is fun it's here. It's fun here. It's tons of fun here. It is. You, me, a six-year-old. I have hors d'oeuvres for the living room, and then a sit-down dinner. You do? And then I yep. have party games. Oh, party games. Mm -hmm. You don't think that sounds a little... Uh, what? Uh, just planned. <clears throat> it won't feel planned. It's gonna it's gonna flow nicely and feel Perfect. very natural and fun. Yeah. And a good party needs structure. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I've done that. You know, I'm like I've planned a whole evening sort of obsessively when other people just want to hang out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just want to go with the flow. But I like to know what we're gonna be doing, and you know, I th hey everybody, Julie is here with the structure. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded I me of love this storyline. Yeah, well, yes. let's hear it. Her need to be the fun one is just endlessly funny to me because <laughs> she is so wound tight and oh. and structured. It's just my favorite of this episode. <laughs> she needs a tangerine lollipop too. <laughs> yes. And when her party gets crashed, there's one of those throwaway lines like kind of in the background where she says, if you didn't see the embossed invitation. <laughs> 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 oh that's so good you're you're so right and it just oh the whole thing is so sad and sarah Candy like jasmine the veil which i noticed he never put on the whole night <laughs> no. even though i think jasmine out of all of them was the best sport she yeah. was really trying to help julia feel like she was doing well but never put that veil on <laughs> and she was just like no that's not for me and i like <laughs> and i was like sarah really should have thrown this party because sarah's instincts were right the whole time she was like but yes. you need a drink first and then when sarah was teasing her about like jasmine having food allergies and she's just naming everything at the table <laughs> i thought that Lemons was lives <laughs> I did. I did love seeing all the braver women together. Yeah, and I loved. I loved folding Jasmine in, and I, like I said, I loved that Jasmine was so sweet about everything. Like I really loved just this one line after Christina comes back in with Camille, and she says, "You know, I hope I didn't ruin anything." And Jasmine just goes, "Girl, you didn't ruin anything." Yeah, and I was like, "That's so nice. That's so kind." Christina is dealing with stuff, and Jasmine sees it, but doesn't make a big deal out of it. You know. Yes. The line that Jasmine had that I loved was when the boys do crash the party and Crosby's like, how's the party? And she says something. I can't even remember what word she is. It fabulous or I think it's fabulous. I think so. She's like fabulous, even though it's kind of a bummer party. But yeah. she's just <laughs> happy to be in. You can tell she's not lying. You know, like you can just yeah. tell she's happy. She's in a good place. And so when he asks how the party is, she's not like, well, it's kind of annoying. And there's a lot of drama and we have to do these dumb table topics. She's like fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think I admired it felt like she decided she was going to have good time. Yeah, like, good decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are all you can control is your reactions to things. And Jasmine chose to have a positive one. Yeah, I loved that. I'd like to be more like that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh, one thing I can't believe I skipped past. <laughs> it won't take long. But in the camping story. I, I called this clip, What Did We Learn? I got a better idea what you and Christina go through. 
yep, that's the moral. It's like, there's no subtext there. That's just text. <laughs> you know, it's like, welcome back from camping, Dad. What did you learn? <laughs> Another example of just text was at the very beginning of that storyline when Zeke's like, worry not, my son. And then he walks off and Adam's like, worry I will, my father. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> no one does that. No one says that out loud to themselves. Like, <laughs> so I might. <laughs> we all I like, spend a lot of time alone. We all log off at the end of the podcast and Caleb's like, that went well. <laughs> Just to himself. <laughs> so. <sighs> all right. Well, oh, I had one other little tidbit. Yeah. I don't know why I'm missing all these camping observations <laughs> but the song zeke was singing oh yeah was aura lee it's a civil war era song whose tune was used for elvis's love me tender oh, oh. that's interesting isn't it Taylor, i love the deep dives <laughs> thank you well here's another deep dive for you touching on the last sort of storyline in the episode which is sarah wanting a raise so according to college tuition compare.com UC Berkeley tuition for 2011 to 2012, which I'm assuming would be Amber's freshman year, was $12,834 for in-state. If she had been out of state, it'd be $35,712. Now, just to give you some idea of inflation, so that was 2011, 2012. The last full year we had, 2019 to 2020, in-state tuition was 14253 and out-of-state was 44007 and there was another chart on there, which was cost of attendance. So I'm assuming that means all other expenses. Even if she was living at home, the total cost of attendance at Berkeley for Amber would be $28,161. So when Adam says, yeah, it's like 25 grand, he's actually a little under. Wow. I can't. It's it's such a terrible system. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's... Well, and I thought the UC schools were actually like a real model of public universities. But I guess they're not cheap. Meanwhile, my bachelor's and master's total was $11,000. That's all I owed for my entire I got <laughs> college. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I lived at home with my mom, not in grad school, but when I was getting my bachelor's. And then my master's was free because I had an assistantship. So, I mean, I was only paid like $350 every other week as a stipend. So I lived off of that with a roommate and everything <laughs> like, like $700 a month. I lived off of, but my master's was paid for and I did that's nice. figure out how to live off of that money. Like I just was very frugal. Anyway, that's a, that's a real side note, but maybe not, I guess, because you know, that's exactly what Sarah is yeah. trying to set her daughter up for. Well, and I know I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it, does raise the fact like I went to NYU and couldn't afford it at all. So my parents, largely my dad, said, oh, just borrow money. And so that's what I did. I borrowed tons of money, a crazy amount. And I remember my cousin, Sarah, who we had on the podcast in season one, she was an acting major and she got into NYU, which is a great school for acting. And so that was a huge achievement. But she came from a similar background that I did. They didn't have money for it. And they decided, no, you're not going to that school because Ugh. it's too expensive. 
I, I say they, I don't mean her parents. I don't know who made the call. I Knowing her parents, I doubt they just like lay down the law. You're not allowed. Maybe um, they all decided together. I think I think probably they all decided, let's not saddle you with all this debt. Yeah. yeah. And it's just different approaches. And I think neither one is right or wrong because my life was dominated by repaying all that debt for 10 years. And the fact that I got it paid off in 10 years is kind of outrageous. I shouldn't have been able to do it that fast. I just hated it so much. Any money that I had went to paying it back faster than I had to because I couldn't stand it. That's awesome. And um, and I do, in some ways I do feel like I hit pause on my life for a decade. Wow. Just while I took care of that. But would I do it any differently? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was a good move. Who's to say? Lauren, do you have, do you want to share any thoughts about your like college experience or, or any thoughts about like have had, like do you worry about paying for your daughter's education? Is that a, like already a concern? One of your daughters is literally nine months old. I don't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not concerned. I went to multiple schools because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew that I was supposed to go to college because. That's what they tell you. That's what we did, right? I didn't know that there were other options at that age. So um, I wanted to go to New York because I liked New York and I wanted (laughs) to live there for no other reason. And my parents said, we're not paying for out-of-state tuition. So they would pay for in-state, which is, I was very ungrateful at the time. And I thought that was outrageous as an adult now. I'm like, oh, thank God they were willing to like send me to school. So I went to K-State because I really wanted to get far away and they wouldn't send me out of state. And so you wanted to live in Manhattan away one way get. or the other. <laughs> hey, that's true. Can't yeah. get the big apple, apple, go with the little apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I didn't know what to do. And so I kind of popped around and I finally ended at KU. Wow. Talk about a house divided. <laughs> right. KU, K-State, Pitt State. I hit them all. But I was in the same boat as you, Caleb. I, at a certain point when I did, was just floating around from school to school, my parents said, um, we're not going to fund this anymore. (laughs) And, but I still didn't know what to do because I just thought you went to school until you were done. And so I took out tons of student loans to pay for it. And, um, and I worked a whole lot through college. And so I I would not do it the same way for my own kids. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think a lot of it's going to have to do with who they become. And like, I think a big part of my job is to not push them into one thing or another too hard. You know, you want them to do something productive, whether it's school or not, but I don't know what that looks like. That's really insightful, I feel like, because we really need to have more options that we give kids because, you know, Amber's even kind of indicated to Sarah that she doesn't really want to go to college. And Sarah keeps kind of pushing that instead of saying, well, what would it look like if you didn't? And I I feel like maybe Sarah is bringing her own baggage, you know, like she did not go to college and that's a regret for her. But that doesn't mean it would be a regret for Amber. You know, I mean, it, it might, but not necessarily. And what are other paths that are that are fulfilling and and could result in making a decent living wage. And I think now there are a ton. At the time, it felt like you had to have a ba- at least a bachelor's degree if you're going to make any money outside of college. But I feel like 
there are a lot of like technical school avenues or like culinary school or there's just a big there's just a lot of other things art school cosmetics um, or just yeah just finding something you're good at and doing it yeah I meant cosmetology. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know what you meant. yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it does seem like there are other avenues and, and that aren't quite so expensive. Cause I feel like sometimes it's worth it to have that really expensive degree. Like Caleb, in your case, yes. I feel like it makes sense. You ended up playing on Broadway and you know, well, you know, but it only sort of makes sense because when you're being hired to do something like that, no one cares if you went to school or not. Really? So you could have it just moved there? It only matters if you're good enough. Huh. Now, if I was good enough to do that job, then who cares if I have a degree or not? It's just a lot of times if you're going to be... Somehow piano, I feel like, is a bit of a weird area because it's such a ubiquitous instrument that so many people kind of pick up. Yeah. But I think it's clear of, like, a string player. Like, if you want to be first violin in a Broadway show or especially first violin in or any violin in like a major symphony orchestra that requires an amount of training that is just unreal. Huh. And if you're going to receive that amount of training, odds are you're going to have gone to a university or a conservatory at some point. It's just part of it, but no one would actually care if you did or not, as long as the playing was good. Did you like, did your piano playing advance at all in college or no? Uh, hugely, actually, okay. even right. though I wasn't studying it. Okay. I was studying composition, but I played for classes for performance majors. That was my, like, college job, which I then continued doing even after I graduated. And that was, was an amount 10, of it. hours. Yeah. It, it absolutely was. And it was working in a different kind of environment than I'd ever worked in before and working with people that I never worked with before. And that is really where the value of the education came from. I sometimes think, sorry, NYU, <laughs> that the actual education I received was not very good. Huh. My private instruction in composition was excellent. And the practical experience I got working as a musician and a coach was really good at NYU. But a lot of the classes, I think, fell way short and certainly weren't worth the price tag. Yeah. See, it wouldn't have made sense as much as I, I mean, I also would have loved to have lived in New York um, and I love, you know, visiting you. But I, I don't think it would have made any sense for me to go to a school that was really expensive and then be a high school teacher. You know, I would never make that back, first of all. <laughs> and secondly, the school I went to, a state school, you know, Pitt State, it really did have a very good education program. And I loved my teachers. And that's how I discovered I love poetry as my mentor taught there. And I was in a private like workshop group with her for 14 years until I moved to Pittsburgh or to, until I moved from Pittsburgh to Lawrence. And that's kind of incredible when I think of how I got all of that for like a very small price tag. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's interesting because Here's another pretty inexpensive avenue that they don't really discuss on parenthood, community college. You know, I mean, yes. yeah, like that's, I mean, for someone like Amber, who's not like the most dedicated student or like just really, really into, or like really have an idea of what she wants to do with her life. And, and Sarah doesn't have the money really to send her to such an expensive place. I wonder why they're not discussing that. Maybe there's some like snobbery, not 
not these specific characters, but like our society has some snobbery yes. about that. And I, I, I wish we definitely didn't. definitely did when I was younger. Now I think, well, that would have been so smart. Yeah. Like <laughs> knock out your genets yeah. for like a lower price and figure out what you're interested in. Yeah. Maybe our society's views on it will change now that our first lady is a community college professor. Yay! <laughs> I hope so. I hope so too. Well, one thing I really wanted to comment on in this storyline was Sarah's scene with Corey, <laughs> which I loved. And I want to actually set it up a little bit before I play it. So I, I don't know what it means to be a therapist, but my father was a therapist for about 10 years. He was a psychology professor and then he went into therapy and now he's a professor again. But one thing he did always tell me about therapy is it's not giving advice you as the therapist don't want to tell the client do this or do that because then they might do it and it won't work. Mm -hmm. And, and they're just carrying out, you know, some other person's orders. What you really want to do is guide their own thinking towards what they think will be the best path for them. And I thought that this scene, weirdly, Corey was like, an excellent therapist <laughs> to Sarah. And I guess what I'm here to do is to ask you for a raise. <laughs> Let me just tell you, um, I mean, I've been an intern for a while and um, also my daughter's playing college and it's really expensive. I totally get that you need to pay for your daughter's education. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> because it's But I don't think so. You, no, so just... You don't think... It's just not the right time. When is the right time? I honestly don't know. Uh, okay. Um, well, it's just that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just an intern here, and if I'm not going to advance or make any money, you know, what am I doing here? What are you doing here? Oh, well, I, made, I designed this shoe, see, that clicked, didn't work. But um, I thought, you know, I would try this kind of design out and, you know, see if it, if I, if it was a good fit. Was it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not everything I want, but... Um, well, what do you want? In life? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I want to make money and doing something I love. You totally should. Yeah, I totally should. You can't just go doing, you know, what you want to do. Why not? Well, I mean, I've tried that and I haven't, you know, I haven't found the, you know, I haven't found it yet, so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, so, okay, but so, it's not here is what you're saying. Maybe not. <laughs> I just thought it was so fantastic that she, you know she really she arrived there on her own yeah he didn't fire her no and he didn't say get out he just asked her questions what do you want uh, how did it work out here <laughs> maybe he is a really good ceo yeah yeah maybe i i think I, everyone also, tells him maybe short. really like that actor a lot too like he, he is maybe a bit of a cartoon character, uh -huh. but he, I feel like he executes it really well. And <laughs> I just loved the whole scene. And I was like, oh, I, first, because I, I take notes like as I watch and I put, hopefully this means the end of her working at the shoe company. So I was really happy later on in the episode where she said, I just quit my job. Like one <laughs> fewer like, person at TNS. She's yes. done. Get him no out. No more Gordon. <laughs> no more TNS for Sarah. Yeah. 
No, I liked that scene too. And I have been infinitely more interested in her this season post relationships because I, you know, the Gordon thing was a nightmare. Uh, That's maybe an exaggeration, but I hated it. (laughs) And I feel like everything she's been doing since getting out of that has been about personal fulfillment or advancement or like a storyline with one of her kids. You know, it's just been, she's been focused on herself, which I think is great. And I don't know what job she should have. Like, I think that's a really hard question. Um, Sometimes people will ask me. And if the answer isn't teaching, I don't know what to suggest to them because that's all I know. And it's what my parents did. And it's what most of my family does. So I feel like when people are like, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm usually like, have you thought of teaching? (laughs) And then I don't know what else to suggest. And so if Sarah's not going to be a teacher, I don't know what to suggest for her. But I do think it makes sense for that internship to end, especially if she makes more money with tips. And I get that the job was about making her feel good about herself, but I think ever since that clicker thing didn't work, there's really been no point. She's just getting coffee. Yeah. 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 And flirting with I mean, her brother. As she, as she articulates herself, <laughs> if there's no advancement here, what am I doing here? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good question, Sarah. Now, are you brave enough to answer it? Ugh. And she did. Yes, so she went in asking for a raise because she needed more money and had nothing to back it up. It wasn't like, I'm really good. I, I've done these things. And this is why you should give I'm me. usually it's on time. Like, I really have to pay for college. My so. one idea yeah. at this company failed. And here, here's a recommendation that my brother wrote. Yes. Has she returned to that desk that Joel made her and gone, hmm, what are my ideas? ideas? Her thinking desk? Yeah, her thinking desk. She needs to sit at the thinking desk and figure out what her life will be. Have we seen that desk in her, like, guest house? I don't think so. It needs to be there. Joel finished it a long time ago. He should have presented it or something. That should have been a scene. I loved that. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's strange. I I thought this episode had the usual number of storylines, you know, bachelorette party, camping trip, Sarah wants a raise, Adam gets stoned. (laughs) <laughs> but to me, it, it felt completely dominated by the Adam Christina Hattie yeah. story. And, uh, and I, I, but I liked it and it made me much less angry <laughs> than the previous episode. I think just cause now the issues are getting fleshed out and the people's stubborn positions are starting to give a bit. Adam saying, I think we made a mistake went a long way for me because I think I was really just feeling frustrated that they were not willing to listen to anyone and hear, and and I didn't understand why I I was like, really, what, what is this? You keep giving those, those points, but they're kind of ringing hollow because it's, they're just talking points and you're not fleshing them out. But in this episode, like you guys said, they fleshed them out and were saying exactly what was scary to them about her growing up and having sex maybe and, and them losing her, which is the main thing. But isn't that what happens? Like in a sense, you lose your kids, you know I mean? Like you're raising adults and I think that's kind of the goal, right? Yeah. You want them to like grow up and move out. Yeah. And grow into their own person. Like if all they do is listen to you and do what you say, then how do they know how to react once they get out into the world? Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important to accept your kids as the people that they are, because if they're only a part of your life, if they are the type, you know, on your terms, if they're the type of person you want them to be, almost never are they going to be like, okay, I'll just be that person. No, what's going to happen is they're going to be exactly who they are anyway, and you just will get cut out. Yeah. 
and that's because I think even I took losing her as even being broader than like, oh, she won't live here anymore because kids can grow up and leave the nest and still you haven't lost them. Mm, They're still a part of your life. But if it's going to be, I'm not talking to you while you're with that guy. Well, then get ready to lose her for a while. She's not going to stop seeing him because her parents don't like it. I mean, maybe now when she's 16. And Adam makes the great point. Yes. But that's already happening. Yeah. She's not living at home. We are losing her. Yeah. And it's not because of Alex, really. It's because of us. I mean, I think Adam's starting to get that. Um, Yeah. That, to me, spoke to a common thread through a lot of the storylines, which was you can't change a situation by just insisting on it. You know, Sarah can't do it at her job with the Rays. Zeke can't do it with Max. Julia can't do it at her party. (laughs) And Christina sure can't do it with Hattie. And Hattie can't do it with her parents. And it's funny, at least going by that framework, I felt like Sarah actually handles her situation the best of anyone in the episode. She talked it through. She realized she couldn't make the job what she wanted it to be. And so she left with really pretty minimal drama. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. She kept saying early in the season because she'd be fighting with Adam or wanting to date Gordon and he didn't want her to. She kept threatening to quit. And it always felt a little like, no, come on, Sarah. But Uh then she ends up quitting. But yeah, in the least dramatic way possible. And when it actually (laughs) seems like that's the right thing to do, you tried this. It didn't really work. Um, (laughs) It's kind of funny. It was a really not even a storyline, was it? Like like you said it was the same like number of storylines, sort of. but yeah, it was so yeah. brief. But but somehow it packed a punch for me. I liked I liked her thinking about her future. Um I find that interesting. I I like the idea that it's not just teenagers thinking about what their lives should be. Cause that's, you know, I mean, people switch careers all the time. People, you know, midlife, later in life, you know, they, they try to figure things out. I, I don't know. My, my mom has a boyfriend, you know, they've been together like five or six years and they're, you know, older. And, and I think that's really beautiful. Like, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of our lives are not just determined when we're 20 years old. (laughs) We're constantly determining what our lives will be. We're constantly making new decisions, figuring things out. And sometimes I think people have this tendency to think they're too late. It's too late for me on the love front or in the job front or to travel or whatever. And I I think as long as you're alive, (laughs) it's not too late. (laughs) It's a little cheesy what I just said, but I stand by it. (laughs) So, Well, any other thoughts on the episode as a whole? Lauren, you were talking about Monica Potter's like little, those little throwaway lines. The one in this episode, I think, is she she says, I feel like I'm on grass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's so great. I think it was like, she was like, what's going on? Why is he stoned? I feel like I'm on grass. And I was like, that's not what you say. Um, And then when Sarah. (laughs) Her drug references are like. Forty years old, and then when it was the dance party and they put David Bowie on and they were all like dancing, Sarah says to Camille, "Be my boyfriend, mom." Before they start dancing, which is so (laughs) cute. I thought it was so cute. I loved that. And then the the really this it wasn't even that funny. I didn't think, but Adam said when his phone started to ring, my crotch is vibrating. But it wasn't on vibrate. It was just ringing. And he was so disoriented that he was like, my crotch is vibrating. And then he was immediately sober talking to Max. <laughs> but, I love, was it Joel who said like, 
we shouldn't let him talk on the phone like this. And Christina's like, I know I shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. But it was, it was a really good one. It was kind of poignant. I liked um, Camille talking with Christina on Julia's like front steps. I I, I thought that was really beautiful. And you know, what's funny that you bring that up. I'm not sure Camille said anything in that scene. Really? Wow, that's maybe not I'll have my memory. That's not my memory of it, but I would believe that. I think she was maybe just there for too. her. Yeah, huh? Which is awesome. Anyway, no, continue. no. I but I think I really felt for Camille because I could see where if if I were in Christina's position, I would feel like my mother in law was being condescending in that moment. But yes, but I also feel like Camille wasn't ever trying to be she was actually trying to extend grace and be very kind um but it just wasn't landing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah those were my final thoughts i guess well then in that case thank you so much lauren this was so fun Uh, thanks for having me yay it was just great to hang out with you that's like my favorite thing (laughs) please everybody listening you should (laughs) Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, like us on Facebook, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And you can find us at our website, (laughs) parenthoodpals.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.